0: I was in the seventh grade I made the junior high baseball team but I had started playing basketball in the neighborhood I'm kind of tall and lanky like I am now and got pretty good at it and I thought hey I can make the team we had a really good team I was at Havenview junior high in White Haven and uh, we, we had won state several years in a row there but I still feel, felt I could make the team so I, I decided to go to the tryouts but I, I decided to bring a buddy of mine with me. I said, come on, go with me. Now, this guy, he wasn't in too good a shape. He hadn't been playing any sports. And uh, I don't know why I asked him. I just wanted somebody to go with me. And so he went with me. And the first day of basketball practice, I've come to find out, is not so much about dribbling or shooting. In fact, you don't really even touch the ball. They're just trying to to weed out the weaklings. Anybody ever been to basketball practice? But, they're like, we're going to see who's serious. So we start running the bleachers, running around the gym, doing sprints, touching the line and bending over and coming back. And I tell you, we hadn't went through the first round till my buddy, he was on the ground heaving. <laughs> and they said, they said, you ready to quit, boy? He goes, I sure am. And he went and sat in the bleachers. And from then on, every time I'd run, we was running around the gym, every time I'd run past him, he's sitting there He says, come on, man, let's go. And I'm trying, man, I'm breathing hard too, but I'm trying to make this team. And I come back around, come on, man, let's go. Eventually, after running sprints and stuff, I'm lagging behind and the coach says, Sheffield, you going to quit too? And you know what I was saying? How many of you think, I said, so long, coach. How many of you think that I stuck it out, and in a year or two, I, I was starting, I ended up starting through high school, played two years of junior college ball. How many of you think that? We'll find out later. <laughs> if y'all pay good attention, well, I'll tell you later. We're going to get into our message. Today's message is entitled, if you're filling out your sheets, Hurdles hurdles because we're in a series entitled running to win and sometimes we're running through life right and we just get our speed up and we we seem like hey everything is going good this is and we find ourselves on the ground bloody knees and elbows what just happened so we dust ourselves off Wow. We get back. All right, let's try this again. We get... Again. And what gets me is some people go through life like that. They started out like that. Every few feet, they they take a tumble, and then they get up and start running again and take another tumble. They're 75 years old, and they're still tumbling through life. But I found out some time ago... That in the race we're running, there's hurdles. That's what's causing me to fall. Because I'm trying to run through the hurdles instead of jump over. We got to recognize that the, ra- the kind of race we're running. And this race has hurdles. And so today we're going to talk about jumping the hurdles. Seeing the hurdles differently. You've got to see the hurdles to know you've got to jump them. you got to expect the hurdles. So I'm telling you today, in this life, you shall have hurdles. Everybody in here knows in their heart they're saying amen. But I've looked through the Bible, and I can't find one biblical hero in there that was known for his ability to maintain comfort in this life. Did you hear what I'm saying? They didn't make Hebrews chapter 11, Hall of Faith, by learning how to maintain comfort. And it seems like in America, that seems to be goal number one for most people. Joseph didn't get to skip the pit to get to the palace. There was something to be learned in the pit. Learn how to overcome, to get ready for the palace. David, you know, he didn't assume the throne by calling up and cussing out Goliath on the phone. Or saying something bad about him on Facebook. He had to face his Goliath. He had to fight the Goliath. Moses wasn't known by the education that he got in Pharaoh's house. He was known by the education that made him into the man God wanted him to be in the wilderness. Facing the hurdles of this life. See, God uses hurdles to help us become what we're supposed to be. Turn to Hebrews 11 and let's let's read about Moses' account. I don't want to just be a side note in the pages of history. I'd kind of like to make that Heroes of Faith chapter. I want my life to count, and I know you do too. Hebrews 11.24 says, It was by faith that Moses... Faith is is going to be an important key in anything you do in this life. It was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, remember me saying some people are still running into those hurdles and have no idea why life is just, seems to be one tragedy to the next. They haven't grown up in the things of God. But it was by faith that Moses grew up and he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose... To share the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. See, to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, that's I mean, he was raised in the house of Pharaoh. And see, we're all raised in the house of Pharaoh, so to speak. We're raised this 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 house, this earth down here. Egypt is always a type shadow of the world, and we're kind of raised in this place. But do you want to be known as just an inhabitant of this world? or do you want to be known as a hero of the hall of faith so to speak so he wasn't he was he chose rather to share the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin and you're going to have to make up your mind but I will tell you that sin is fleeting the, the pleasures of it. it it'll just just be glimpses but then it'll be the <laughs> afterwards So he chose the better. And he thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasures of Egypt. The Bible says you can gain this whole world, but what good is it if you lose your soul? See, this was before that was written and Moses figured it out on his own. That it's better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasures of Egypt. For he was looking ahead to a great reward. Moses was willing to travel that road less traveled. While, while it's, you know, most of our friends are on that wide path that leads to destruction. Moses decided to travel that straight and narrow, even though it was tough, it was tough going, because he was looking forward to a great reward, and the great reward is only found on the straight and narrow. Do you want your reward in in little fleeting glimpses in the sin and the and then the boom, or do you want to suffer for Christ's sake and get your rewards in heaven? Turn to Philippians one. We're going to read an account of. Apostle Paul, in verse 11, he's writing to the church in Philippi. He says, may you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced by, in your life by Jesus Christ. For this will bring much glory and praise to God. That sounds good, doesn't it? I mean, like I said, you wouldn't be here if you didn't want to enjoy the fruit of your salvation. You didn't want righteous character. You didn't want the life of Jesus Christ and you didn't want to bring glory and honor to Him. And Paul's saying, may you always have this. And that's awesome until you realize that the character produced in your life by Jesus' cross comes from toting a cross. Because Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me. There's a burden to bear. And what makes this especially powerful that he's writing this is because Paul is writing this from a prison cell. Paul gets this perspective. This is how our life is supposed to be. He's not begrudged that he's in prison, he's telling us how to find joy in life and peace and glorify God and find the life that God has from a prison cell. He says, and I, and I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me here has helped me to spread the good news. The King James says it's for the furtherance of the gospel. Now, how many of you would be in prison thinking about the furtherance of the gospel. You'd be thinking, man, what are they going to think about me? What can I do here? It's wasted time. Man, you might be in in the warrior center saying this is wasted time. But it's not. The Apostle Paul had a different view of and a different way to look at this world and the obstacles. He didn't look at them as... Oh, no, not another obstacle. He's like, great, I'll have time to write to more churches while I'm there. I'll minister to the guards. This will work to the furtherance of the gospel. It'll work in my heart, humility, and all these things. God's doing something. It's It's a different way to see life. You know, I ministered down at the DeSoto County Jail most Sunday nights. And a lot of those guys, they come in and you can just feel the heaviness walking into the room, you know. They don't say a word, man. I just, I bring my guitar. They call me guitar because nobody else brings a guitar down there. I bring acoustic down there. And I'll just sing some silly songs, you know. This big light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. And I sing a bunch of songs about freedom down there and stuff. I'm free, nobody but Jesus is touching me. And they're like, what's wrong with this guy? We're in these orange jumpsuits and he's in there talking about freedom. We don't feel free. But I tell him, man, you can be. You can be. And in fact, they can be more free in that prison cell than many people are out here on the outside. And they're looking at this prison, t- this sentence in the jailhouse. Oh, this is terrible. All these things are happening. But when I, just a different perspective. And I let them know, hey, if you were still out there, you're probably heading for worse than this it's God's mercy that puts you here God's giving you an adult time out he puts you over in the corner for a minute and lets you think about your decisions they get to thinking that's true it's God's mercy and they begin to see their purpose there different and I said guess what your life can help to the furtherance of the gospel when you, when you turn yourself around, you have all this time on your hands because they ain't got a whole lot to do. They get that Bible out and they start learning about Jesus. Their life starts changing. They say, yeah, but people are just going to think it's a jailhouse salvation. So I don't care. You prove them wrong. This is the first day of the rest of your life. And you can, man, you can look at this and you can moan and complain like everybody else. But I tell you, just a change of perspective. And the guys that we minister to, they start coming in there and uh, they're try- they're bringing friends from the cell that didn't want to come. And I tell you, sometimes I think revival is going to break out down in Soto County Jail. Because God uses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. I'm almost sure of it that, that they're worshiping just as hard as, in the Soto County Jail as we are here sometimes. Some of the best worship I've ever been a part of was down there. And the warrior center is the same way. This is not a step backwards, fellas. This is a hurdle that's going to make you stronger going forward. This is your opportunity to shine, to prove everybody wrong, that gave up on you, because God never gives up. And he's always given giving you a new opportunity to shine. That's what hurdles are. It's just an opportunity for us to, to shine. To show what we've learned. Paul had learned to view his obstacles as simply just challenges. Now most of us, I know, obstacles or any, anytime we, we run into anything, it's like an opportunity for us to gripe and complain. Yeah, some people, you know, their washing machine goes out and they get on live Facebook tears in their eyes and I was like <laughs> I was I was I had such big plans for this year it's, it's the January 6th you know? I had such big plans for this year but my washing machine went out and it's like oh my goodness and you wonder why and, and if anybody messages me on Facebook and I don't get it for several weeks you know why cause ain't nobody got time say look at your neighbors ain't nobody got time for that believe (laughs) that but a lot of us we sit back and we say oh how things could have been if this wouldn't have happened to me and I wouldn't have got derailed here and I'm not making light of the things that's happened to you but I'm just saying you ain't the only one things have happened to and so other people have overcome those things and made something of themselves (laughs) Woo! Some things, obstacles, they they tear some people down, but they strengthen others. It's a matter of how you view the things that you're facing. Attitude, thank you. That's good. See, it's going to happen to us all. There's not a one of us here that ain't got our, our list of regrets and things and we could pull out and start moaning and griping. John 16, Jesus says, In this world you will have tribulation. Not that you might. You will have tribulation. He just went and told us. But he said, Be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. There is an answer. There is a solution. There is a way to overcome. I'm telling you on the front end that you will have tribulation. Now, tribulation is one of those big, long, Christianese words that a lot of people don't understand. So... I looked it up in the New Living translation. It says, Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows. Trials. I kind of get that a little bit better. You know, I can I don't know what a tribulation is. I thought that was area on the river or something, but, but <laughs> Huh? You're just says trouble. Well, the New Living says uh trials and sorrows. But some people still wonder what. What kind of trial? And so I looked up the word trial in the dictionary and it says a test. Say test. Yes. A test of the performance, the qualities, and the suitability of someone or something. Let me say that again. A trial is a test. Of the performance, qualities, or suitability of someone or something. And so when Jesus says, in this world, you shall have tribulation, He says, in this world, you will be tested. In this world, you will have a test of your performance, your qualities, and your suitability to be in my kingdom. When He says, in this world, you shall have tribulation... He's not saying, well, we ought to start moaning now. He's saying, get up because there's going to be a test and get ready. Because you're fixing to overcome. Because in this world, I have overcome. That's good preaching. Most everything God's trying to do is to get us to see things differently. To view life differently. Because we've been taught by our flesh. By by the guys you brought to basketball tryouts. (laughs) You know, the world, they're just looking for excuses, but God's people are not. In the world, their biggest argument is, well, against God is, uh, well, why do bad things happen to good people? I'll tell you why. To sort the wheat from the chaff. So that the cream can come to the top. That's why bad things happen to good people. <laughs> That's good. You see, God's preparing the people for the palace. It's a trial. It's a test. I'm not saying everything that happens is from God. We know we got an enemy, the devil. We know we live in time, space, and dimension, and objects just collide here on Earth. We know that we're living in a broken world. We know that tough times are not always from God, but I believe God left the devil down here to give us somebody to learn to beat up on, to strengthen His people. Don't you know you got to break your muscles down before you grow them? What do hurdles look like in modern day? 2019 in your life I wrote down a few I mean some of them are big huge things and I'm not once again I'm not making light if you got issues you're this pastor man he's just he's generalizing everything no I'm not I know there's all levels of stuff going on in your life but I'm just encouraging you that whatever you're facing other people have faced and you can you can begin to see The hurt that you have, and you can begin to let the past go so that you can begin to accept the challenges of the future with a different attitude. Might be the death of a loved one all the way down to a flat tire. You know, some people's scales are all over the place. Like I said, some people may be crying over a washing machine. I thought of some emotional hurdles like a a spouse could be unfaithful, a best friend could betray you, you're raising teenagers. Hello? I mean, those are emotional obstacles. I mean, what if the Dallas Cowboys would have lost last night, you know? Some people wouldn't have been here this morning, I can assure you. We'd be hearing about it on Facebook for three weeks. There's financial hurdles. Unexpected medical bills. No, the transmission falls out. You lose your job. How you? How are you viewing those things? God's punishing me. Are the devils after me? Physical hurdles. Heart attack, stroke, cough due to cold. You got it? Nobody else did. All right. You're getting older, but your responsibilities don't know that. (laughs) That's a hurdle. Because I can't do as much as I used to, but my responsibilities seem to be getting bigger. Just hurdles, you know, between you and where God's trying to get you. Fear, doubt, unbelief. And the path is strong with the traps of the enemy. He's trying to stop you. You have somebody trying to stop you. You're not just going to... And new levels, new devils. The more you try to do for God, it seems like the more the devil's going to resist. Well, hello? What do you think he's going to do? Just step out of the way and way to go? He's going to try to jump up in your face and stop you. He's throwing up hurdles. But he's supposed to be underneath your feet. So when you jump in that hurdle, you just remember that. He's under your feet. Say fiery trials. 1 Peter 4.12, Peter says, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trials, which is to try you as though some strange thing has happened to you like it only happens to you but rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings that when his glory is revealed you may also be glad with exceeding joy when you when you have hurdled when you have crossed that hurdle you'll be glad overcoming makes us happy as a people Work does that. Some people don't want to work and they're miserable if they get their way. But work is a good thing. God gave us work to accomplish. There is a sense of empowerment and joy that arises in the heart of somebody who will work hard and do and accomplish things in their life and gets over those hurdles. Fiery trials are coming. Don't think it's strange hurdles are just opportunities for you to reveal God's glory in your life and another thing they do they send us running to Jesus because the road was straight and narrow it's going to lead you to Jesus in the good and in the bad. Daniel Eric Groves, a music minister that ministers at our youth camp sometimes, he's ministered here at this church before. He said, God will never give you a life where he's not necessary. God just loves you too much for you to live a life where he's not needed. And so he will allow hurdles in your life But most people, you know, they don't recognize what God's doing. And most people won't come to God unless there's a storm. I remember the disciples in the boat with Jesus, and Jesus is back there sleeping. He's resting in the midst of the storm. There's a a hint. Trust in God. But the disciples, I just picture them bailing and bailing and getting the water out of the boat until they just can't take it no more. And that's how some of us live. When the storms of life come, it's all that what we can do. And the last thing we ever, oh man, I guess we're going to have to wake up Jesus. The last thing that we think of to do when it should be the first thing. And we're just bailing and bailing and we're freaking out. And that that describes a big bunch of Christians' lives right there, bailing and freaking out. Bailing and freaking out, and the last resort, I think I better go back to church. Has it come to that? I'm going to pray. The worst thing that ever happened to me in my life is what led me to Jesus. Jesus. It led me to this church where I got saved. Worst thing ever. By far, the worst thing ever happened in my life led me to this church where I got saved. And now, 20 years, when I look back at it, I see it as as the best thing that ever happened to me because it led me to Jesus. And your trials, though they're, they're not fun, not something you should seek after. I I think I should give a qualifier here, because <laughs> some religious folks would jump up and start seeking out tribulation so they could have something to add to their resume as super Christian. You ever seen those folks? They just they look like they're miserable all the time. Yeah, brother, I'm suffering for Jesus. <laughs> and I think they're missing the whole point. You're not supposed to seek after. The hurdles you're supposed to run when you got the space in between, not add more hurdles. We shouldn't seek tribulation, but we shouldn't cower before them either. That's what I'm saying. They're coming, but don't cower before them. you know, even Jesus prayed, Lord, if this cup can be taken from me, Jesus didn't want to have to go through what he went through. But He did it for the furtherance of the Gospel. He was willing to do it basically because He loved you. And He sensed His purpose. And He was willing to face the whippings and the beatings and the mockery and the bloodshed and the crucifixion and the humiliation. He was willing to do all of that. Whatever... I said last week he made himself a grasshopper and gave himself into the hands of a cruel and a vicious enemy for us. He was willing to lay it all out for the furtherance of the gospel. Is your life, when you go through a trial, are you coming through it on the other side resurrected so that you can tell people the good news? So that you can reflect to people the good news is your life when you when you're going through the your race and you're jumping those hurdles, is it giving glory to God? Because that's what Jesus did. He laid it all out. I wrote this and I think it's pretty good for for me. Our difficulties don't define us, our deliverer does. Our difficulties don't define us. They come to everybody. We're all in that boat. But our Deliverer defines us. We're called by His name. When we follow Him, we're made more than overcomers in Him who loved us. And we will overcome, and people will see Jesus in our victory. We're defined by our Deliverer. Our Deliverer defines each one of our races, you understand. He's the groundskeeper. He's the track keeper. He's the track official. And, he, and whether he's the one putting the hurdles there for us to jump or he's just allowing the hurdles, why things bad things happen to good people, I don't know. It doesn't matter. It's just our job to run and jump, run and jump, run and jump. We don't set the race. We run the race. Let God do God's stuff. We do our stuff. <laughs> Does that make sense to anybody or am I just... I got two quotes in my office. I didn't even know, Really, I knew one of them was there. But I was walking in my office praying about this sermon and I saw, I got a big poster on the wall that says this. And it says, the ultimate measure of a leader is not where they stand in moments of comfort and convenience, but where they stand in times of challenge and controversy. That's how you're going to be measured. You're not going to make the hero's hall of fame in your comfort... In convenience, you're going to be, (laughs) you're going to stand in times of challenge and controversy. And then I sat down at my desk and I looked over at the side of my printer where I had posted this from my good old friend Rocky Balboa. He said, it ain't about how hard you can hit, it's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. We're going to get hit, but we got to keep moving forward. but what what if I fail pastor what if what if the trial hits and, and I look at my past and and I, I think I'm the guy that's all the way through life? Hey, failure is not fatal. Failure is just part part of the learning process. We're here today because we want to do better going forward. I'm not jumping up saying that I got this all figured out, that I've been doing it for 20 years. I'm just saying this is what the Word of God is telling us and to open our eyes that there is a better way moving forward. We don't have to be the gripers and complainers. We can be the joyful in the midst of the storm. Man, there's no sweeter witness for Jesus Christ than like those people in the Carolinas that... That some guy came in there and shot up their church and killed all the people that was praying and they forgave the guy the next week as a church there's no nobody does that the world has no answer for that kind of love but they overcame evil with good and that's what God is calling his people to do turn to Second Corinthians 4.16 we're about ready to close Is anybody beginning to see things differently today? You know, we can know stuff like this and have heard preaching on it, but we lose it over time, over a series of crash and burn, and we just begin to lose sight of things and we feel overwhelmed. 2 Corinthians 4.16 says, Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, our inward man is being renewed day by day. And I don't care if you're 6 or 60, you're getting older on the outside. And this thing starts to break down, and it can't do the things it used to do, but you should be getting stronger on the inside because of the Spirit of God is in there. And that's the part of you that's eternal and is not decaying. That's the part of you that's not sin-ridden and dying. And it says in verse 17, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. And I often say, man, you're calling all I've been through a light affliction. In the New Living Translation, it says, for our present troubles are small and won't last very long. In the message paraphrase, it says, these hard times are small potatoes comparing to the coming good times, the lavish celebration prepared for us. See, when you get your perspective right, when you get eternally minded, you see that this is this is a light affliction. If I was afflicted for the whole 80, 90 years I lived here, it would still be light compared to the billions of years I'll be in eternity and glory. And so then you can face, you know, a year of heartache and trouble and trials because you know that it's working for you. A seeding weight of glory. Verse 18, it says, do wow, we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. See, we can't focus on the natural circumstances. We have to focus on our faith. The things which are not seen, we focus on the God which we cannot see, but we know, we feel in our heart, and we believe and know to be true. We do not look at the things which are seen, but which is the things that are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And what you're getting here today is a little bit of eternal perspective in your life. This is sorting out the wheat from the chaff. This is making the cream rise to the top. This is helping your life begin to to rise over the hurdles and not go under them when you face a hurdle. You know, God boasted about Job. God says, have you considered Job what a righteous man he is? He's a good man. And the devil says, yeah, but that's because he ain't been through nothing. That's because you protect him. That's because you don't let anything happen to him. And God said, okay, devil, throw some hurdles at him. And the devil threw his very level best at Job, killed his children, took away all his resources, his finance, took away his health. Job was laying there in the dust and ashes with boils all over his body, scraping himself with pottery. And this was a rich man who had everything going for him. But the worst Job could say is, The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And he made God proud. He did not ruin God's boast about his life. He gave God satisfaction. And is the perseverance that you're displaying in your life, is it for the furtherance of the gospel? Are you giving God that satisfaction in your life? In Job 42, 12, it says, So the Lord blessed Job in the second half of his life even more than at the beginning. I'm not saying that, oh, we better get ready for trials and tests and tribulation. Woe is me. Boy, when we leave here, it's going to get bad. I'm saying how about we jump over a few so the devil would give up on us and stop laying the traps for us. And God can really pour out the blessing. Whatsoever a man sows, that will he also reap. You start doing good, you start getting good. We don't have many of the trials and the tests and stuff that we go through in this life is because we have brought it on ourselves. From the ungodly ways that we have lived and chosen to live, the wages of sin is always death. Every time. And so we lay our traps for ourselves. But there is hope. When we turn this thing around and we get to running and we get that momentum going in the right direction, even if the hurdle is there, we're just going to be jumping unto the glory of God. It's going to make us stronger. Our muscles are going to get bigger. So Job got twice as much in the last half of his life than he got in the beginning. And maybe, maybe you're saying my first half hadn't been that good. Well, hang on. Get a new perspective. Start behaving differently, seeing life differently, and the best days are yet ahead. This is the first day of the rest of your life. And what Job got, I hope that's both your attitude and your outcome. Job wasn't willing to give up on God. Like I was willing to give up on basketball. Basketball. Here he comes. I was running around that building. And every time I'd come around there, my friend would say, man, come on, let's go, man, let's go. And I, the more I run, the heavier I was breathing, I was like, I do want to go bad. I don't th- and I was right at the end of practice, too. I mean, and finally I was lagging behind, and the coach said, Sheffield, you going to quit, too? And I said, yeah, I'm out of here. Come on. And me and my buddy left. And my favorite sport, I played baseball. I played two years of junior college baseball, but I never played basketball. I know that's hard for you guys to believe, especially if you guys have seen me out in the back at the basketball goal. I mean, y'all sit out there for hours waiting on me to miss. But see, that bugs me. That Almost a day don't go by, I have regrets about when I quit, when I should have went over, I went under. You know, let's stop having those regrets. You know, I got I got new dreams now. I, I'm not dreaming to be in the NBA, although I probably could be, you guys know. But I'm not going to let the hurdles stop me anymore. I'm going to see them differently. I'm going to see them as opportunities to show how good my God is. And I'm going to try to keep my attitude right in the midst of them so that other people can see how it's done and that it's for the furtherance of the gospel. Can I get the prayer team to come up? If you're on the prayer team, you know who you are. we got a special group of people that that pray for folks and stuff. And, And I feel like we got a little time here. I don't want to take too much time. But You know, you got this flesh and then you got fleshly friends that talk you out of your dreams. Like I had. I had this flesh was working on me. My fleshly friends was working at me. And so it's bad enough to have this flesh but to have fleshly friends that's always trying to drag you down into their misery. Oh, just let's, let's complain together. But what we have here at the church, what God has assembled for you through the teaching preaching, and preaching and the fellowship and uh, the ministry time, and, and He has assembled a team for you to help motivate you, to help pray with you, to help you if you're going through a moment where you feel like you... See, God never meant for us to go through any of that alone. He wants us to stay hooked up with a church, stay hooked up with positive folks that are going to pray you through, going to walk you through, going to help you through. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word.